so welcome. If you're a guest this morning, um, just to let you know that we are um, we're going through a teaching series um, at the moment uh, called In Revival Culture, and we're asking ourselves this question. What are some of the fun foundational truths that we get to live more intentionally in as the body of Christ as we prepare our lives for revival? We're going to be looking this morning particularly at the part healing plays um, as we choose to be led by the Holy Spirit into re revival living. We're believing with all our hearts as elders and leaders here, and I know there are many in the room as well, uh, that God is calling us as a church to prepare ourselves and our lives for revival in this town and this nation. Let me just start off by stirring you again for that. Let me gently turn up the temperature in the room for that again this morning. Lord, if revival is on your heart, Right now, come and put it on ours and do it through us. In fact, actually, I, why don't we stand? Can we stand just really quickly? And I'm just going to pray. You can pray or not, but I'm going I'm to do it anyway. <laughs> Holy Spirit, come and reveal again your passionate, broken heart for this town and this nation. Set our hearts on fire with what's burning in yours, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, raise up in this room a deep longing for revival power to become a reality in this generation. Lord, would it be that in a hundred years, church leaders and Christian authors will be writing about the great Bedford revival? Lord, would you make it happen in our time right now? Lord, come and let us see thousands of lives saved and transformed for your kingdom. Lord, start it in this room and start it with us. Amen. Please be seated. Let me share with you that it's my great passion at the moment that my church, including this amazing little congregation here, which I have the real privilege of pastoring, will it be at the epicenter of what God is planning to do in this town and this nation? Let me stir you again and challenge you again, all nations south, to make room for this in your heart right now and in your life right now. Come and add your voice to those that are already hungry to see and bring breakthrough in this generation. Okay, so when we think, certainly when I hear the word revival, I often associate it with two very distinct phenomena. One being the absolute and overwhelming conviction of sin, where the revelation of Christ in lives is so overpowering, it sends men and women to their knees, flat on their faces, as they encounter the presence of a holy and pure God. Richard shared last week about um, the revival in the Hebridean Islands and how uh, it was so powerful. It was 
it was birthed out of months and months of prayer by two little old ladies. But it was so powerful as people were even making their way to churches to find out what was going on. The Holy Spirit was encountering them, putting them on their knees before God, confessing their sins. People in fields were getting uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit fall powerfully on them. It was such um, an amazing encounter with God, an outbreak of God. The other clear sign when, we, uh, when revival is breaking out is the increase in healing. Healing in bodies and in minds. Healing comes in revival as an overspill of the powerful presence of a holy God. Healing is not the main event in revival. That's always going to be salvation of souls. But it becomes this great extravagant after party. The consequence of the kingdom of God breaking into the atmosphere of the earthly realm. The demonstration of what we call signs and wonders through healing becomes the accelerant that's get poured on revival fire. Healing comes both as God's compassion and his unapologetic demonstration of authority over sin and death. Another great story of revival is the one of uh, Azusa Street. Um, I love this one. It's one I've read up on um, quite a bit. I love the way that it started. It, it, um, it didn't actually start in, a, in Azusa Street. It started in a, in a tiny little um, house on the outskirts of uh, Los Angeles. And it started with a prayer um, for tongues. Now we heard tongues in the room this morning and um, uh, it was out of a moment where tongues were shared. Um, people began to experience the Holy Spirit in a way that they'd never felt, uh, felt before. Um, there were people, there was a, a, a lady in the room that went to the piano. They didn't have a piano player. And she went to the piano. She couldn't play the piano. She immediately was able to play the piano. And she played the piano for the rest of her life. It started in a small group, in a small prayer group, a midweek group. We have mid midweek groups. Let's have faith that revival can break out of our midweek groups. Okay, let's have faith for that. What it did was it kicked off the Pentecostal movement and that spread around the world. There are now 800 million people that can trace their lineage, their DNA, a Christian DNA, back to that tiny little house right there. How amazing is that? Let's have faith for that. The trademark of most recorded accounts of revival, whether it's in this nation or other nations, whether it's in the present or the past, has been the presence of holiness. Holiness leads God's intention for revival. Healing, however, is the wonderful, extravagant overspill of heaven's plan, a grace gift from a love-struck, 
Heavenly Father. A couple of weeks ago, Matt very uh, helpfully unpacked for us um, the part that holiness plays in a church beginning to prepare for revival. And this week, I want to do the same with healing. If you've got your Bibles um, or your devices or whatever you look at your Bible on nowadays, I'd like to uh, open your Bibles to Psalm 103. Psalm 103 says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with the steadfast love of mercy, who satisfies you with all good, that uh, satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I can think of a few people who could do with a youth renewed like an eagle in the room this morning. I'm, I'm one of those. I'm not looking at you, Mark, don't worry. Lord, do it. Do it. So the Lord can heal. First of all, we have a God who can heal. Let me fill you with confidence right from the start. We have a God who can heal. We have a God who has beaten death. We have, if we have a God who has beaten death, we have a God who can heal. If we have a God who holds command over death itself, where the ultimate and final grip on humanity was irredeemably broken, then surely we have a God who stands triumphantly over our sicknesses. If the ultimate battle for life in its fullness was won for us at the cross and the grave, then surely the power of sickness over our physical bodies was broken there at the very same moment. Our confidence and hope for healing can only be worked out by our certainty of a risen Christ. We can't sidestep that. We, there's no shortcut or quick fix to that. His sovereignty holds the power over our healing. If we're wanting assurance and understanding in a belief that we have a God who can heal, our knowledge of the power of the name of Jesus is both essential and sufficient. Let me say that again. If we're wanting assurance and understanding in a belief that we have a God who can heal, our knowledge of the power of the name of Jesus is both essential and sufficient. That's my preach wrapped up in a sentence. If you only take one note. I haven't finished though, sorry. <laughs> if you only take one note this morning, make that one. The healing and restoration of our bodies flows from the compassionate heart of a sovereign God who is unmatched in his power 
and authority over all things. Colossians 1, 16 to 17 says this of Christ. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and in invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. If we can hold this to be true in our hearts, then surely we must know that we have a sovereign God who absolutely can heal. We also have a God who will heal. Healing is on God's agenda. We've seen it. As a church family, we've experienced it. We've seen first-hand accounts of God dealing powerfully with sickness in, within this very family, both in body and mind. We love sharing stories of them, don't we? Giving thanks for them. But you know what? I want to see more. I want to see it break out in greater measure. I want to see signs and wonders in this place becoming the usual instead of the unusual. I want them to become part of the atmosphere, part of the expectation and anticipation as we come into the room in every gathering, every one-to-one -one over a coffee, every encounter we have on the street or the workplace. We have a God who loves to heal. We have a God who loves to restore and set free we have a passionate God with healing on his mind right now. Let me tell you, in this room this morning, the Holy Spirit already has healing planned. Let me raise your faith for that. When we have an eternal God with eternal life with him on offer, of course, it's always going to be our hearts and souls that he longs for first. When David cries out in our psalm, he who heals all your diseases, it's likely that he's not just talking about bodily diseases here. He's talking about the disease of the heart and the sickness of the soul. He can heal all diseases. And he may want to do that first in you this morning. It may be that you're sat in this room this morning thinking, he's talking about healing. I'm not in pain, I'm not sick. I don't have a worrying diagnosis hanging over my head. I guess I'm kind of off the hook. This is for the poor and suffering people in the room, not me. Let me tell you, lay open your heart to him. Let him peer into your soul. And it may be you'll find that it, you're not actually off the hook at all. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our iniquity, 
who redeems our life from the pit, who crowns us with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies us with good so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. It may be you right now who needs the loving hand of Jesus to reach down and pull you from the pit you no longer want to be in. John did exactly that on his, uh, this very spot two weeks ago and I had the privilege of being there with him as he did it. And he can do that for you in this room this morning if you ask him. Come and find me. Maybe you're in need of some steadfast love in your life right now that holds you fast and anchors you to a place of hope instead of uncertainty. Maybe you've felt the crown of grace and mercy never really fit you very well. Guilt and shame can be dealt with through God's healing. Perhaps it's the goodness of his table and not the world's junk food drive through that you're really needing at this time in your life. Perhaps it's this healing that you need to be asking for this morning. It's always going to be his eternal plan for healing, a promised life beyond this one and these bodies that lays the foundations of his ultimate purposes in each and every one of our lives. And it's going to be that plan for healing that becomes the bedrock that we get to stand on when we choose to live a life with him. But he's also a God of completeness and fullness for this life, who promises that the fullness of his son gets poured out over our lives and into our bodies. The full power and authority of Christ gets to be worked out within us. Colossians 2, verse 9 to 10 says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought into fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought into fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. And that fullness includes his headship over every power and authority. This must surely mean that the very same power and authority that dwells within Christ now makes up the fullness of Christ within us, both in our healing and our empowering. So if we allow the fullness of Christ to be at work within our lives, our healing, we must surely expect the full potential of his undiminished power and authority to then flow out through our lives, our empowering. Matthew 10 verse 8 says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. 
You received without paying, now give without pay. Through the undeserved work of healing, the grace gift of healing done and being done in us, we are now empowered by his power and authority, by his Holy Spirit, to go heal the sick. We must allow for the occupation of Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit to increase in our lives in a greater measure than ever before. If we're truly holding out for revival healing in this church, in this town and this nation, we're going to have to make much, much more room for the fullness of Christ to take hold of our lives. And it may be that some of us, and I count myself in on that, are going to have to do some radical clearing out. I used to be a big fan of those documentaries on hoarders. Anybody else watch those? At first they really fascinated me, but after a while I kind of found them incredibly sad where people have virtually imprisoned themselves in their own homes as every conceivable space gets stacked up with junk because of a terrible fear, often a, a mental illness, of letting anything go. And their home then becomes no longer fit for purpose. Some of us can live lives like that, can't we? where every available space is filled to overflowing. Every room is stacked high with important and, yes, pressing things. But then often, without realising it, very subtly, we find our potential in Christ, our supernatural capability in Christ that's packed full of promise of the power and authority over all things can come to feel a little less fit for purpose. Maybe it's time for us to be radically and brutally honest with ourselves. Ask ourselves the question, have I enough room in my life for Christ in order for him to work powerfully through me? If our longing and our heart cries to truly see healings and signs and wonders break out among us, where the usual, the unusual becomes the usual, where the unnatural becomes the natural, where we get to see many, many more lives turned around, set free and transformed. Our lives need to be rooted in a faith that is first occupied by the fullness of Christ, the fullest measure of heaven's power and might poured into our lives. God doesn't owe us healing. It's not our right or our prerogative to ever demand or expect from a sovereign God. We don't get to put our faith coin in the vending machine of life, only to feel that we somehow have the right to kick it if it doesn't dispense 
our healing. It doesn't work like that. Faith is not based on chance or vain hopes. He doesn't leave us to flounder in our faith. He doesn't leave us with hope that sees us throwing it at the wall and hoping it sticks. No, no, no. He supercharges our faith by giving us Christ in all his fullness. I get a bit fed up at times when I hear Christians define faith as just stepping out into something or believing in something that is not known or understood. That's the Oxford Dictionary definition of faith, not ours. And it's often uh, annoyingly backed up by a frame-by-frame account of Indiana Jones stepping off a cliff in the last crusade. Very annoying. We have more than that backing up our faith, surely. There's got to be more substance to our faith for healing in this season as we prepare for revival than a wild stab in the dark and a hope for the best. No, no, no. It's got to be from a sure and certain knowledge of a Christ that fills us. Christ that empowers us, a Christ that goes before us, and a Christ that clings on to us. Maybe revival faith should look a little bit more like this. That's my daughter, by the way. That's not Jesus, just so so you know. Yes, of course, faith is about courage about trust, about stepping out into the unknown and all that scares us at times. But let's not try and squeeze a powerless, ineffective faith for healing into busy, tired, overcrowded and distracted lives and then wonder why the fruit is often little or scarce. The attention of God is trained to hear the heart cry for healing coming from bold voices who know who they are, who know the power and authority they stand in, who know the Christ within them that validates their commands to tell cancer cells to die, limbs to grow, sight be restored, depression to lift, backs be straightened, and strongholds be broken. Let that be us. Let that describe us. Give us revival, Lord. Let us see signs and wonders. It's now time, all nations, to make room in your lives for courageous faith steps for healing backed up by the confidence we have in a sovereign and mighty deliverer of it. Why don't we stand? We have 
We have this banner up every week. It's not there just for decoration. It's a nice colour. Um, there's, a, there's a big and powerful statement, faith statement, written on that banner there. It's a declaration that we believe is significant, significant for us as we carry a heart of revival for this time. And I want to ask uh, those who feel they want a, a fresh anointing, the power and authority to heal, to go out, to lay on hands, to expect signs and wonders, to break out. I want to ask those who are feeling right now that they want to come and do that, come and reaffirm their authority to do that. To break through barriers, our word this morning about breaking through barriers into the power and authority of Christ. We can do that this morning. The Holy Spirit can do that and minister that over us this morning. So I want to ask you, if, if that statement there is something that you want to speak again over your life, then come forward, come and stand here. Come and do that. Why don't we just, why don't we say this together? Okay. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Holy Spirit, I just pray a fresh anointing right now to fall in this room over these guys. Come and empower us again. Come and reveal again the fullness of Christ in our lives. Lord, I pray open hearts, open lives to receive the fullness of Christ to go out and heal, to see signs and wonders, to see lives set free. Lord, come and do that right now. Declare that over this congregation this morning. Fresh power, fresh anointing to go and heal the sick. Whatever that looks like. However we do that in our lives, Lord, come and do it. Come and pour yourself again over us and in us. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to ask anyone in the room that needs prayer for healing, if you're in pain right now, if you need the touch of God's healing in your bodies right now, I just want to ask you to come again, come forward here. There's a patch here. Um, if you've got something that you would like healing for, 
come and stand here. And then I'm going to get you guys to come and pray with these guys here. Come and do that. Come and lay some hands on. Come on, let's not, let's not. We're all family together. Just put your hand up if you want prayer for healing. Right. Holy Spirit, come in power. Come in power and healing over these lives right now. Lord God, I say pain be gone in the mighty name of Jesus. I, I continue to say cancer cells die in the name of Jesus. Lord, come and heal. Come and empower. Come and be a demonstration of your power, Lord God, in these lives. We want to see you glorified, God, in healing. We want to see this break out of this room. We want to see communities transformed and changed, radically changed through signs and wonders. Lord, come and start it in this room this morning. Thank you, Lord.